Capri, and today we're going to be talking about Facebook and the Democratic uh, debate that was uh, that happened last week on Wednesday and I believe Thursday. So uh, there's just a couple things I wanted to touch on that. You know, not too much. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Just a couple things that I uh, that I noticed, and I think that that we should be looking out for when we uh, when we watch these debates and when we. Um, when we watch the debates and just see how we how we take in this information, okay? So I'm going to start off with Facebook. And I got my information from Reuters and the USA Today. So Facebook Inc. will ban ads that discourage people from voting ahead of the 2020 U.S. presidential election, according to its second annual civil rights audit published on Sunday. Now, I have a problem with that because, well, you know what, okay, Facebook is, you know, they can exercise, it's their company, they can exercise their right to free speech. But you know what, I think that they lose credibility in a way because why can't they just let all information on there? You know, as in, as in people can, should be able to say what they want on there. Yeah, okay, we want to, we want to stop hate speech. Yeah, and that's understandable. But you know, but at the same time, People should be able to say, you know, wh- you know, whatever they want. But I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to move ahead. Facebook pledged to put its new "Don't Vote" policy prohibition into effect in the in the fall, before the 2019 U.S. elections on November 5th. Chief Operating Officer Sheryl Sandberg said in a blog post announcing announcing the report. Last year, Facebook expanded its policies against voter suppression by banning posts that spread misinformation on voting methods, election dates and times, and polling locations. These rules include banning intimidation tactics such as misrepresentations on whether votes will be counted. The new don't vote policy is in its developmental Oh my goodness, developmental stages, and the company is seeking advice from voting organizations. Facebook said the policy is likely to only apply to the United States in its initial release and will not include the policing of organic posts from users. Facebook said it works proactively to remove malicious election-related content. The company is now encompassing do not vote ads in its efforts to ward off coordinated efforts to influence elections. The social media giant has been used to spread misinformation about previous elections. Now, this was the big thing that went back to the the last presidential election where it's been said that the Russians had had led uh, misinformation tactics on, on, on Facebook, sending messages and, and ads to people about, about the election. Now, no, now I get it. You know, they, they do need to product, they do need to police the, um, police their product. Okay. And if, you know, if it's such a big deal, then, you know, at the same time, you know, people need to, need to realize that, what they're what they're what they're reading on Facebook is not like factual. You know, when you go to a a website, say like NPR, you know, a reputable website, you know that the information that you're getting from there is good information, and it's not information that you know um, that some Russian hacker is, is putting out there or Reuters or MSNBC. You know, these places are you know they're they're reputable places to get your to get your news, whether it be um, whether it favors the left or the right. 
Moving on. U.S. intelligence agencies say there was an extensive Russian cyber influence operation during the 2016 campaign aimed at helping President Donald Trump get elected. Russia has repeatedly denied the allegations. We focused on ads because there is a targeted component in them, Facebook Public Policy Director Neil Potts said. We recognize it is a political tactic, which is much more in line with voter suppression. Ads telling people to boycott the election disproportionately targeted African-American Facebook users, according to Ian Vandewalker, senior counsel at the Brennan Center for Justice. Brennan Center for Justice. The world's biggest social media network also pledged to introduce a new misinformation policy in the fall ahead of the 2020 U.S. Census, prohibiting misrepresentations of census requirements or methods, it said. Facebook began conducting the annual civil rights audit in 2018 to address concerns from underrepresented communities and advocacy groups on its platform. The company has come under scrutiny over its hands-off approach to content posted on its platform. It does not ban most forms of misinformation. Instead, posting warnings downgrading misleading material so it reaches fewer people. Russian influence on U.S. elections has sparked heavy criticism of Facebook, however. It helped the company identify key tactics used in misinformation campaigns. Oh, go figure, right? <laughs> That's ironic. It's like, yeah, we're going to accuse the Russians of of these tactics, yet they're going to sit back and tell us uh, <laughs> you know, what we could do to, <laughs> to safeguard against it. Yeah, it's... That makes a lot of sense. Facebook set up its first war room in October 2018 to combat misinformation campaigns during the U.S. midterm elections. Similar war rooms were set up this year in Brazil, India, and Europe ahead of elections. Facebook's next civil rights audit progress report is set to be released early next year. Now, like I said, do not, and I repeat, do not let Facebook be your main source of news. You do not want to get your news from Facebook. It is a bad idea. Okay. Now, Facebook is a great place for, you know, connecting with people, you know, with, with friends or, or old friends. Me personally, I keep in touch with some of my old, my old friends and old military buddies on there and, you know, just to see what they're doing. And it's, and it's an interesting, and it's a fun place to be. And it's also a cool place from from being you know starting the podcast uh, a place where you can message people and you know maybe you guys share some interest or you know you know people don't know about my my podcast so I you know I I, I point them to it and you know a lot of people they like it you know and I start conversations with people and I get interesting conversations with people and it's and it's really cool you know when you use it in a in in a, in a desirable way I guess in the way that it's meant to be used. But if you're using it in in a, in a malicious way, you know, it's obviously, or, or if you're using it in a way that it's not to be intended, like it's obviously not intended to be a, 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 a reliable news source. And no matter what they say or what they want to be, Facebook is not a reliable news source. And I want everybody to know that. Okay. Now I'm going to move on to the democratic debate. Because um, I watched it, I don't really consider myself a Republican or a Democrat. I, 
I kind of see myself in the middle as kind of a, a realist in a way. I, I, I would say I have more conservative values. Well, I would definitely say I have more conservative values, but I like to hear uh, both sides of the of the story. But I want I want to hear both sides of the spectrum, and I, and I want to, I kind of want to hear everybody out, you know. And I don't want to just you know throw somebody to the side just because right off the bat, you know, they are a Democrat. And I I, I strongly agree. I, I'm sorry. I strongly disagree with people who say. I am only voting Democrat because I have always voted Democrat and that's what my parents have done. And and that's how we as working people vote. We vote Democrat or on on the other end are people like I am a Republican. I will only vote Republican. It doesn't matter who is standing up there. I will vote Republican because it's just not a good way to, 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 you know, to draw your line in the sand on, on what you believe in. Yeah, sure. They may have more, most of, of, of what you are, what you're interested in, but there might be some, some really lacking, some really lacking uh, characteristics uh, of a person, you know, uh, character, uh, ca- you know, characteristics of a person that, that really bug you, you know, and that can go for both sides. You know, it's okay to be a Republican and you see like a democratic nominee and you're like, you know what? I really like this guy. You know, this guy makes a lot of sense and I believe in what he's saying. Yeah. He is a Democrat, but you know, he, he makes a lot of sense and, and it goes both ways. So, so don't uh, just pigeonhole yourself into a, onto a democratic party, just because it's something that you've always done, you know, try and listen to both sides of the spectrum. And after you listen to both sides of the story, you know, uh, make your decision. And that's how I, how I advise everybody to, uh, to vote and to, and to go forward with the, with the debates and, and, um, and with the voting process. So Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, uh, had a little bit of an exchange on at at the debate on Thursday, and and I'm going to read a little article here uh, on what happened, and uh, and then I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna interject on it as I'm reading it. All right, here we go. Biden, who made the comments at a fundraiser earlier this month, has defended himself, saying. In raising the names of James O. Eastland and Herman Tal- Talmadge. He was trying to make a point about civility in Washington. As a young lawmaker, he said he learned there were times he needed to work with lawmakers with whom he vehemently disagreed. Vice President Biden, I do not believe you are a racist, and I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground, Harris said. But I also believe, and it's personal, it was actually hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country, said Harris, one of two African-American candidates vying for the nomination. Now, first of all, uh, she's running as an African-American, but Kamala Harris, uh, her father is Jamaican and her mother is Indian. And they're both, they were both immigrants. Okay. So, um, you know, think about that for a second. Harris used the moment to siege into criticizing Biden's stance earlier in his career on public school busing. Biden opposed federally mandated busing to assist with the integration of public schools, an issue where he found common ground with some lawmakers in the segregationist camp. His voice rising, 
Biden struck back, calling Harris's remarks a mischaracterization of my position across the board. I do not praise racist. That is not true, he said. Number two, if we want to have this litigated on who supports civil rights, I am happy to do that. Biden's, Biden didn't wilt and appeared genuinely astounded as Harris, who benefited from busing as a child in California, continued to explain why she was offended by his work with Eastland and Talmadge. Earlier in the debate, Representative Eric Swalwell, 38, a long-shot candidate who was born nearly eight years into Biden's Senate career, recalled going to the California Democratic Party convention as a child and hearing Biden call for the older generation to pass the torch. Swalwell encouraged the 76-year-old to follow his own advice. Expect the talk on generational divide to continue as the race moves along. Now, here's a problem, and this is a problem with the Democratic Party is that they are, they, they're, they're constantly race baiting, you know, or they're, they're, you know, they're, they're looking to have this, you know, this fight, this race fight going on. And I think that generally this is a problem in our country that they keep on bringing this up and we are not allowed to move forward. Yes. Some really horrible things happened in, in, in our, in our country's history in the past. Yes. But at what point do we move forward? At what point do we say, okay, let's, from this point on, let's call it a new day. Let's call it a new line where we can move forward and everybody, we can all just be equal. We can all just be Americans instead of being an African American or a Mexican American or an Irish American. How how about we just call ourselves Americans? Because when I walk down the street and I see people, I see citizens. I don't, I'm not judging people by the color of their skin. I'm, I just see people, you know, and whether you're black or, or white or you've got freckles or you're, or you're Mexican or you're wearing a sombrero, you know, it doesn't make a freaking, uh, it doesn't make a, a difference to me, you know, and it, it, it's, I, I'm just sick of this, of this pulling on, on a race on the, like, why is it important on someone's race on what they're doing and why, why it bears uh, why, why it matters what your race is, you know, when you're doing something or, or, or in this case, um, you know, Kamala Harris is, you know, she has dark skin. Okay. So she's running as an, as an African American, but she's not African American. She's Jamaican and Indian, which is a difference because now she's misrepresenting her own people, Jamaicans who have their own Island and, and Indians. So so look into Kamala Harris uh, if you want to, if you want to hear more about her. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dig into her anymore right now, but I mean, that's just something that 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 really bugs me is the race baiting. Let's just all move forward and we can all be equal. We can all be equal people. Moving on. Now this guy he's the mayor of the he's the mayor of the um, South Bend and he has a. A very uh, funny last, not a funny last name, but uh, a hard to pronounce last name. Uh, his name is Pete Buttigieg, and I'm I'm pretty sure I said that correctly because I looked it up and I and I practiced it a few times before I got on here. So uh, I think I got that right. So no disrespect to him. Buttigieg, 37, who's wrapping up his second term as mayor in South Bend, is having to acknowledge and unpack political disaster in real time. Buttigieg is dealing with the fallout 
of the June 16th fatal police shooting of a 54-year-old black man by a white police officer, an incident that has shaken his community and has complicated his presidential run. The officer was wearing a body camera but did not turn it on before shooting the man. Eric Logan. Police say Logan was wielding a knife, advancing toward the officer, and refusing orders to drop the weapon when he was shot. No other witnesses have come forward. Asked by MSNBC moderator Rachel Maydow why his city has so few black cops, about 6% of the force is African American compared to 26% of the city population. Buttigieg fessed up to falling short on the job. I couldn't get it done, Buttigieg responded to Maydow's question. My community is in anguish right now, and I'm not allowed to take sides until the investigation comes back. It's a mess, and we are hurting. He went on. Well, before I go on, I like how he took accountability of the situation. I think that's a really big deal because when you hear these politicians and they talk and you ask them about how about how maybe something fell short on their watch, nobody takes nobody takes accountability. You know, nobody falls on the sword for their people, for their staff. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has uh, has blamed staff members for things and not taken any accountability uh, for things. So uh, I really appreciate this guy, Pete Buttigieg, uh, you know, at least taking accountability for, you know, some of his shortcomings. And I think that goes a long way, that goes a long way. And I think that that's, uh, that's a really big deal. And I really like that, that, that he can admit that he's fallen short, but that he's still working. And that's what it is. I mean, you're always working. Nothing's perfect, especially with, with, with these types of things. Moving on. He went on, I could walk you through all of the things that we have done as a community, all of the steps that we took from bias training to de-escalation, but it didn't save the life of Eric Logan. And when I look into his mother's eyes, I have to face the fact that nothing that I say will bring him back. Now, Buttigieg spent, uh, he was in the military, he was in the Navy, he's a Navy intelligence officer, and he did do a deployment. So the, the guy... The guy understands what accountability is, and he understands what it means to be a leader. And you know, and and I think that that goes a long way. And you could tell by his responses and by the way he carries himself. Now, one thing that I have a a, a problem with here is Rachel Maydow with race baiting once again about black cops being six percent of the force. Now, what if maybe only six percent of the people that are applying for the police force are African Americans? Maybe that there is some kind of a, maybe there is a, maybe a cultural issue with African-Americans being brought up, being taught to not trust the police or not like the police. And, and it's understandable. In some cases, yes, the police aren't perfect. And yes, they have made mistakes. And yes, they have done things wrong. But in order to fix something, maybe you need to get involved with it and not just stand on the outside and become a part of it. Now, there's... For some reason, there seems to be this idea that um, that you need to hire, that you absolutely have to keep like some sort of like quota of of col- of of people of color on on staff. And I don't really disagree. I don't really agree with that because it takes away from the merit of these people that have worked hard to get to where they are, just to say, hey, yeah, we've only got you here because you know you kind of fill a quota. And I think that that. 
it, I, I just don't think it's a good way to go about things. A, a proper way to go about things is to be like, hey, you're the perfect fit for the job. And you know what? It doesn't really matter what your skin color is because, you know, we're not, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you're here to serve and, uh, and we welcome you. So maybe it comes down to, like I've said previously, uh, it comes down to an education issue where kids can be taught that, hey, you know what? This is a job that cops do and it's a honorable profession and they need good people to, to do it. People of all colors and, and all, uh, all races and on the end of all genders. So, you know, as we go out there and we, we go on with our lives on our everyday lives, if you're someone who, who happens to look at skin color or, 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 or race or things like that, or have stereotype people, you know, it's, it's, it's understandable to take a, to, you know, to take in your surroundings and prepare yourself for, for any kind, for anything that could happen, you know, or, or any kind of situation. But at the same time, um, if you are someone who looks at skin color, maybe you should think about maybe just looking at them as Americans, because that's what we all are. And we're all people and we're all in this together and we're all, we should all be here for each other. And I think it's important that that people see each other that way and that we're all worth, you know, we're all worth our lives and we're all worth, um, we're all worth loving and we're all worth being, being a part of this, this great country. I'd like to thank everybody who is, uh, who's supporting the podcast, people who message me, people who are, um, who send me emails. You know, it's, I'm very appreciative of your feedback people who are, you know, giving rates on, on iTunes. It, you know, it's, it, I'm very appreciative and I thank you. I thank all of my supporters. I got a lot of good new stuff coming up guys. And, uh, I, I just wanted to give you guys my appreciation. I hang in there. Fourth of July weekend is coming up. It's a huge, huge travel weekend. So be sure to prepare yourselves before the weekend, uh, be, before, be sure to go shopping, uh, you know, pack, be sure it's, I'm sure it's going to be hot. Be sure that you're hydrated, pack plenty of uh, Gatorade and water, carry a water bottle with you and, uh, and enjoy the festivities and don't get too crazy with fireworks and do something crazy and blow your freaking hands off. Okay. Because that's not going to be fun. Um, and, and keep an eye out for kids too, um, what they're doing because, uh, you know, a lot of times they don't do things that, that make a lot of sense. So, um, all right guys, uh, take it easy. I hope everybody has a great, uh, great holiday weekend. And be and uh, be careful out there. This is pre out. Oh.